0: We're going to turn this morning to Matthew chapter 28 to a, um, read Matthew's account of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. While you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Father, there's just been such a great sense of joy and life this morning as we focus our attention more keenly on your resurrection. And as we come now, Lord, to a time in your word, Lord, we do so with an element of reverence and just knowing that you are able to speak to us, that you have something fresh for us this morning, even in the midst of our familiarity with this story. Lord, would you bring it alive to us again today? As Adam has already prayed, Lord, would we have a renewed sense of the joy of our salvation this morning? Holy Spirit, breathe life on the words that I share this morning. Thank you that you make it personal and real for us. Amen. And so I'm going to read Matthew's account of the resurrection this morning. As I said, this is a familiar story to most of us, and um, there has certainly not been that sense this morning that f- familiarity makes it ordinary. There has indeed been that great sense of joy. But as I read these words this morning, I just I really invite you and encourage you to um, focus your attention on the Lord even just in the reading of the word. Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, where you will see him. See, I have told you. They will see me. This is the word of the Lord. I have a confession to make. I am a hopeless romantic. I love a book or a movie with a good, happy ending. Maybe I am among friends this morning. There are certainly people in my family who would much prefer an unpredictable ending. And I can certainly weather in a book or a movie that kind of in-between, sad, scary bit, as long as it doesn't go on too long and there aren't too many twists and turns away from my desired outcome. And if you want to know just how toey I get about that, have a chat to Justin afterwards. But really and honestly, there is nothing like a good, happy ending. The resolution where everything neatly wraps up. It's satisfying and it's relieving. I can feel the tension draining out of my body from the drama of the middle bit. And I can exhale and have a great hit of those happy endorphins. Because the dog has found his way home, the prince has come back to life, the hobbits have made it back to Hobbiton, and evil is destroyed, and the underdog had taken out the gold medal. All is right with the world. As post-resurrection people, we have the whole Easter story laid out for us. The drama, the dismay, the injustice and the brutality of the cross, the humiliation and the costly sacrifice of our Savior Jesus bearing our sin, our shame, and our brokenness. We can even try and imagine and put ourselves into their story the reactions, the sorrow, and the fear of Jesus' first followers, their devastation, at Christ's death and seeming defeat, and also at their own feebleness and cowardice for running away. And then the tomb lays empty. The stone stone is rolled away. You seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Come and see and go and tell. Oh, what joy, what relief, a happy ending. But what if the resurrection is not merely a happy ending after the horror of the cross, but instead a shocking new beginning? Many years ago, Justin, uh, took part in an Alpha course. It was in a season of his life where he was working through who he believed Jesus to be. And I remember him coming home and recounting a very lively discussion that had been had amongst the participants about whether the resurrection was actually necessary. If everything had been accomplished on the cross, was this simply giving us all a happy ending. And I've certainly heard and read views that would say the resurrection is about demonstrating that there's life after death. That it's proof that Jesus, that, God, that Jesus loves us, that God loves us, that he gave his only son. It's confirmation that Jesus is who he says he is. And it is certainly proof that Christ accomplished the saving work on the cross. And all of these are true. But are they the fullness of the whole story? I believe that for us to view the resurrection in its full and correct perspective as more than a happy ending to balance out the drama of the cross then we must look to God's ultimate purpose. So this is confession number two this morning. As a lover of happy endings, I have been known to read the end of a book to make sure it was going to be worth starting at the beginning. And this, we get to do the same thing. And this is what it says at the end of the book. This passage describes a period of time in the future, an age that Scripture refers to as the last or the final days when all will be put right, when creation is fully restored and made new, when God will dwell with his people here. Then there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death or corruption. And I think all of us could agree that this is a happy ending worthy of hanging in there and reading the rest of the book, so to speak. It gives us a significant source of hope if it is true. So how do we know it's true? The short answer is we know it's true because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that is our proof so to understand this a little bit more I think it's worth us reminding ourselves of how does Christ's resurrection fit in to the bigger story of God's ultimate purpose so in the beginning don't panic we're not going to run through the whole Bible but let's just pull out a couple of key things. In the beginning, mankind was created from the dust of the ground. And in Scripture, that's a way of describing that we are mortal, that we are perishable, that we can die. But what God did is that he took humanity and he placed them in a sacred garden, a garden where they could eat from the tree of God's very own life, offering them everlasting life to their mortal bodies the plan was for human life to have infinite potential with God's own eternal life as the source and that humankind would expand God's goodness together with him throughout creation in partnership that was God's design that was his intent that even though we are but dust, that we would have complete and direct access to his source of life, his everlasting life, and that together with him, we would expand his kingdom. But instead, mankind sees life for themselves on their own terms, grasping at the knowledge of good and evil and thus denying God's source of life. And this led to them being subject to death again and separated from God's eternal source of life. But Jesus, Jesus, who is God, creator of all life, came in human flesh and he himself became the place where once again heaven and earth met where the eternal life of god and the age of mortality and death collided in his earthly ministry jesus brought god's redemptive pers- purposes sorry so jesus brought god's redemptive purposes up close and personal for everybody who would have eyes to see. He brought God's eternal life and his fresh rule with healing and restoration to the broken and the poor and the outcast. And he rescued people from the corruption and the decay of the way the world presently was as a demonstration in the present for what he was promising into the future, which was the renewal of all creation. So as Jesus, while he was on the earth, went round healing the sick, opening blind eyes, he was revealing in that present moment the coming of the kingdom of God and showing that long-term promise of the ultimate renewal of creation. He invited people to taste and see what the eternal life of God looked like on earth, and he still does that today. His death, as we reflected on Friday, was this great exchange, the taking upon himself the penalty of death for our sin, our brokenness, and our shame. His resurrection demonstrated once and for all that God's life is more powerful than death and restored to those of us who call upon his name access to God's everlasting life. Jesus was, in fact, the first and only person to be resurrected into eternal life there, of course, are other accounts of people being brought back from the dead, brought back into their mortal bodies. People like Lazarus and Jairus' daughter we read about. But they eventually died again. But Jesus, he was resurrected into his eternal body. And it's in this resurrected body that he now sits at the right hand of the Father. What an incredible mystery that is to wrap our minds and our human frailty around. But I want us to grasp this this morning. I want us to understand what it was that Jesus demonstrated through his resurrection because the promise of scripture is that in the last days we will also receive an imperishable resurrected body. That you and I who live... Or have died in Christ, will be raised to everlasting life in those last days, as Revelation says. Romans 6:5 says, if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. In that day, the everlasting life of God, in that last days, the everlasting life of God will completely overcome the age of death for all of creation. And in doing so, the new heaven and the new earth will fully be established for eternity. That is our promise. That is the end of the book. Every tear will be wiped away. No more pain, sorrow or death or corruption. Everything made new. Rather than merely a happy ending where the story wrapped up, Jesus' resurrection was the foundational event and starting point for a new world. It set a course for the new heaven and the new earth, a new creation and the fulfillment of God's ultimate promise. Jesus' resurrection began a story that could not start until sin and death were conquered until Jesus was enthroned as king over the world and sovereign over death. The resurrection is indeed more than a happy ending after the horror of the cross. But is our hope only a distant future hope? Is it simply a deferred happy ending and a hope for after we die? I think... It is impossible to live in this world as followers of Jesus and not be painfully aware of our own humanity, our own frailty, and that we are but dust. And it is impossible not to be confronted with the ongoing brokenness, decay, and corruption of this current age. We and creation are groaning. For the revealing of the sons of God, as scripture says. For the fulfillment of all things being made new. For that time when the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead sweeps through all of creation, filling it with the glory of God. And this tension presents us with a question. What is our purpose as followers of Jesus in living in this in-between time between Easter and those final promised days? Unlike the prevailing thought of our time, the early Christians neither believed in the progress um, of the world under its own steam. They knew that only God could put it right. But neither did they believe that it was getting worse and worse and that their only job was to escape and get to heaven. They instead believed that as God was making all things new, that was demonstrated by Christ being raised from the dead, that they were both partakers and partners with God in fulfilling that purpose. Jesus demonstrated and proclaimed during his earthly ministry time and time again that God's kingdom was less about a place where we would go when we die and everything to do with God's sovereign rule coming to earth as it is in heaven. Not just in those final fulfillment and final days, but right now. He proclaimed the kingdom of heaven is here we are Jesus people and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead we believe that we ourselves are a new creation and in light of this we are to live as signposts to God's final new creation Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, in the Catherine paraphrase, were, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, the good news, to all creation and demonstrate the recreating power of God's everlasting life. Recorded earlier in Matthew, we read Jesus saying this to his disciples, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We are called to be signposts to the everlasting life of God and to demonstrate his recreating power and to extend his goodness throughout creation in partnership with him. Without the resurrection, the people of Jesus might have good advice to share. We could tell you a little bit about how to live. But that's not good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is not simply a new religion or a new ethic. It's the establishment of a new creation. And this is what we proclaim. Today and every day. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a day coming when all will be put right and made new. And in the meantime, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, reflecting in light of the resurrection of Jesus, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain. We are both partakers and partners to advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In spite of wars and rumours of wars, in spite of floods and pandemics... And in spite of the ongoing evidence of the decay and corruption of this age, because we are alive to the truth, the hope of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we get to be participants in God's ultimate purpose, the renewal and the resurrection of all of creation. That first Easter morning was way more than a happy ending. It was a shocking new beginning. Hallelujah. He is risen. So come and see and then go and tell. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Beth, could I ask you just to come and play keys? I just, I was asking the Lord how to finish this morning and I just was really drawn to the prayer of Paul in Ephesians and so I'm actually going to ask you to stand. And I just want to read this over us, both as God's word and as a prayer for us this morning. For this reason because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places? far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so, Father, this morning, on this Resurrection Sunday, would you open the eyes of our heart? Would you enlighten us once again to the hope to which we have been called? Would you remind us, Lord, this morning that today is much more than a happy ending, but it is a shocking new beginning, Lord, and we are both humbled and steadied, God, by the remembrance of your ultimate purpose and that we get to be partakers and participants with you, Lord, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this morning again, Lord, as your people who call upon your name, Lord Jesus, we surrender to you. We receive a fresh, Lord, that reminder of your everlasting life. That, Holy Spirit, you would be at work amongst us. Lord, I want to pray this morning if there are people who have felt like they've walked away from your everlasting life. Lord, I remember in Mark's account where the angel said, Go and tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter was in the midst of the brokenness of having denied Jesus. And yet that hope of he is risen, Lord, regardless of the choices that we've made. Lord, there is always restoration in you as we repent. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that if there is anyone here who needs a reminder of your everlasting life, or somebody, God, who has not ever said yes to you, Jesus, Let this be the day, Resurrection Sunday, making all things new. That you would lead people to you. As we go from this place today, we thank you that we are carriers of your life. love you.